This morning I'm going to talk about Thanksgiving. I'm going to talk about being thankful. And, uh, you know, it seems like the Sunday before Thanksgiving, this is what we talk about. This is what we preach about. But I think the reason we always do that is because we're not thankful enough. You know, this week on Facebook, I, I saw a pastor friend of mine that, that, that wrote, um, is, Thanksgiving, is being thankful a choice or something that we should pray God to help us with? Well, I think the answer is both. Number one, it's a choice. You get to choose to be thankful. You get to choose to, to be appreciative for all the blessings that you have in your life. And, and you know what I've also found? You find whatever you're looking for. See, if you're looking for things in your life that aren't going well, that's pretty easy to find. If you're looking for things to be critical of, if you're looking for things to get down in the mouth about, guess what? You can find those things. But on the opposite, if you're looking for something to be thankful for, you can find those as well. If you're looking for something to, to show appreciation toward, you can find that. No matter how difficult your life may be today, no matter how many challenges you may be facing, there is still something you can find to be thankful for if you choose. Amen? So today we're going to ask you to begin to choose wisely. And we're also going to ask that the Lord would help us because I believe that Christian folks should be the most thankful people in the world. Because when we think about what we have to be thankful for, when we think that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, Chris, it doesn't matter how bad things may be going, doesn't matter what you may be dealing with, you're on your way to heaven. Friend, that's something to be thankful for. Amen? So guys, I just want to challenge you today. We need to be more thankful. Um, you know, there's a lot of things on Facebook about the 10-year challenge where we're showing pictures from 10 years ago and, and looking back on things. Well, like, like most good preachers, I have a file on Thanksgiving, okay? So my introduction this morning is actually a throwback. It's uh, from way back in 2005. Can anybody remember what you were doing in 2005? Okay? Well, part of that illustration involves Hunter. Well, in 2005, I've got his attention now, Hunter was five years Oh, Hunter's really nervous about what I'm about to say. Okay? But today we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. Okay? Do you know what Thanksgiving means? That was a question that I posed to Hunter as a five-year-old. Do you know what Thanksgiving means? His answer was, it means giving thanks. Aren't you excited? Isn't it nice whenever you... Uh, those students, okay, I know we don't have many students in here, we have kids' church, we have those type of things, but aren't you happy when the answer is found in the question? Okay, what does Thanksgiving mean? Well, the answer is found in the question. It means giving thanks. His little Christian school taught him that as a five-year-old. Well, guys, if a five-year-old can get it, you and I should get it as well. What does Thanksgiving mean? It means to give thanks. And today, I want to challenge us all to give thanks. That little five-year-old was right back then, and he's still right today. But how often are we guilty of not taking time to say thank you? How many times are we guilty not to take time to show appreciation to all the good things God has done for us, for all the good things people have done for us? You know what, guys? We need to be a thankful to the Lord. We also need to be thankful to people. And Thanksgiving is a time for us to remember this. I want to challenge us to say thank you more often. We've all been guilty of telling God our needs, but slow to tell Him thank you, thankful when He meets those needs. How many times have we done that? How many times have we asked God to meet this need, to touch this person, to, to do this in our lives, and then when He does it, we take it for granted. 
our lack of thankfulness is contrary to God's will for your life. Did you know that? The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse number 8. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 8. It tells us in all things we should give thanks. In fact, let me read verses 16 through 18. It says this. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for your life. Guys, you ever wonder what God's will for your life is? Well, this is part of it. In all circumstances, in all things, this is God's will for you to give thanks. In addition, in Ephesians chapter number 5, Paul talks about this. Ephesians chapter number 5, beginning with verse number 17, the Bible says this, verse number 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will for us is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Guys, giving thanks is the will of God for your life. He wants us to be thankful. He wants us to choose to give thanks in all circumstances, no matter how good your life is, no matter how many challenges you may be facing. Find something to be thankful for. Amen? It starts with your choice, but then I believe the Lord wants to help us in that. Amen? When you make a good choice, the Lord will help you to manage that choice. So my prayer today is that the Lord would help us to be a more thankful people. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you right now for your word. I thank you for your word that gives us instruction, that guides us, that encourages us, that even challenges us. And I pray today, Lord God, that you would help us to choose to be thankful. Help us to choose to give thanks in all things, knowing that this is your will for our lives. Touch us today. Challenge us today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody would say, Amen and Amen. So guys, I want us to look at two different Psalms today. Psalms chapter 100 and Psalms chapter 103 for just a little instruction concerning giving thanks, okay? Now starting in Psalm 100, I'm going to be reading out the NIV this morning. I'm just going to read a couple verses and I'll give a little bit of commentary and yes, I do know that we have lunch waiting on us, so I will keep that in mind. I've joked with a few folks this morning, we'll be good to go as long as the preacher doesn't go too long, okay? So Psalm chapter number 100, the title of this song, this psalm in my Bible says, A Psalm for Giving Thanks. You know what, guys? God has given us direction. He said, here's what my will is, and here's maybe how we should break it down. So let's look at it together. Psalm chapter number 100, verse number 1 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. There's a word there that comes up twice. It's joy. Now, how many know there's a difference between joy and happiness? Okay? I'm happy that LSU won yesterday. Okay? I'm happy that Nichols won their conference again. I'm happy that me and my family are taking a little trip this week. I'm happy about all these things. Happiness has a lot to do with your circumstances. 
Okay? When your team wins, you're happy, okay? When you get to when, when you get the first person to get a hold to Seth's wife's cornbread dressing, you're happy, okay? I'm not so happy if I'm at the end of the line and it's all gone, okay? You're happy when things go your way. You're happy when your clothes fit well. You're happy when your hair parts right. You're happy when those things go well. But joy is much different. In fact, it's much better. Because joy has nothing to do with your circumstances. Amen? Joy has everything to do with the decision that you have already made. And I want to challenge you today, guys. As God's people, we need to choose joy. We need to choose and recognize that the joy of the Lord, the Bible says, is what? Our strength. How many know that during tough times is when you need to strength the most? Amen? Maybe when your happiness is kind of on the down low because you're struggling in some areas. But joy can take over where happiness comes to an end. Joy comes from the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And the Bible says that there's a connection between joy and thankfulness. There's a connection between those things. So I want to challenge you today, guys. Everything we do for the Lord, everywhere we go, everything we say should include some joy. Amen? Now, if you can season it with some happiness, too, that's good. Okay? But at the end of the day, I'd rather joy over happiness any day. So the Bible says we should worship the Lord with joy. With joy. Okay? Verse number three. The writer of Psalms most probably David says, know that the Lord is God. You see, that word know is very important right there. We serve a God that wants relationship with you, his people. Amen? God doesn't want religion. Religion is man's ideas, okay? God wants relationship. God wants to know you. Amen? He wants, to, he wants rather you to know him because he knows you. The Bible says he has the hairs on our head counted. That's easier for some than others. I'm not looking at any of you, okay? He he knows everything about us. He knows what's important to you. He knows the intricate details of your life. He knows you completely. And he wants you to know him in a similar way. Some would say, is that even possible? Not through religion it is, but through relationship it absolutely is. Amen? It's through a, a time where you become intimate with him. It's during times of prayer. It's during times of getting in his word. It's during times of working on your relationship with him. It starts by asking his son Jesus to come into your life. But it just starts there. Then it just progresses, just like any relationship. You know, think about good relationships. Think about good marriages. It's built on communication. It's built on trust. It's built on on, on growing closer together. How many have figured out that after a little while, your spouse starts a, a sentence and you can end it? Ever, ever been there? Man, you, uh, Brother Bernie and Sister Emily, they just kind of look at each other and they know what they're thinking, okay? Brother Bernie has learned the key to a good marriage. You know what it is? He shared it with me when we went fishing this week. Yes, ma'am. Guys, you can have the final word on every conversation if you'll just remember those two words from Bernie Dinger. Yes, ma'am. Okay? Hey, guys, 73 years, something is working. Okay? It's working right. But here's the deal, guys. Relationship is so important. God wants relationship with you. God wants relationship with you. You can trust him. You can have fellowship with him. But God wants you to know him. And you can he wants to know, he wants you to know him. He wants you to know that he is God. 
It is he who's made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Guys, there's there's so many uh, details right there about relationship. God wants relationship with you, his people. Now, because of that relationship, verse number four says, you can enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, this is this is talking about Old Testament worship, where we where we enter into the temple and we enter those type of things. Guess what, guys? The type of relationship and connection we can have today is so much deeper. Amen? When Jesus died, he, he took away everything that would keep you from having relationship with the Father. Amen? You can have complete and total relationship with the God of this universe. Let that sink in sometimes. Let that sink in. You know what, guys? It's kind of neat when we have powerful relationships. It's kind of neat that, 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 that I'm good friends with some people who are in some, some positions of influence. I was, I was very excited when Brother Blaze became sheriff because he and I are friends. It's nice to have the sheriff as a friend, okay? I'd rather have him as a friend as an enemy, okay? Uh, it's good to know when, when, when people I know get promoted and they have influence, and that's good to know, and you have relationships like that. Let this sink in for a second, guys. You have relationship with the creator of the universe. You have an audience with the king of kings and the lord of lords. You have an opportunity to talk to the one who spoke everything you see into existence. And how often do we take that for granted? How often do we just kind of go through the motions? God, God forbid that we ever do that again. Let's choose to be a thankful people. Let's choose relationship. Let's enter his courts with thanksgiving, enter his his gates with praise. Let's do all that he wants us to do. Verse number five, for the Lord is good. Amen? He's good and his love endures forever. Aren't you glad God loves you? Aren't you glad there is nothing you could do to separate yourself from the love of God? Romans chapter number 8 tells us that nothing, tribulation, sorrow, nothing can separate us from the love of God. God has chosen that he loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. And that's a good thing. And there were some times in my life where I wasn't serving God, where I wasn't uh, responding to God's love appropriately. You've been in that same position. Aren't you glad God didn't stop loving you? Aren't you glad that God's love for you is not dependent on your love for Him? But He loves you because He is good. For the Lord is good, the Bible says, and His love endures how long? Forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Guys, I am so glad that God's faithfulness for me is not dependent on my faithfulness to Him. But there have been some times I haven't been faithful. There have been some times that I've made poor decisions. There have been some... Stop looking at me like that, because I know you. Okay? There have been some times you weren't so faithful. There have been some times you made poor decisions. But we serve a God who's good. Amen? We serve a God whose love endures forever, whose faithfulness is without end. Now jump over to Psalm 103. David continues when he talks about the goodness of the Lord. Verse number one. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. You know what, guys? It's interesting that many times in the Bible... The Lord wants us to remember while the enemy wants you to forgive. 
You know what, guys? There's nothing the enemy can do to keep God from being good to you. There's nothing the enemy can do to, to change the goodness of God. But he can cause you to forget. And that's why the writer David says, forget not the benefits. Forget not who you are. I say it all the time. Christians get in trouble when they forget what they should know. Amen? When you forget that you are a child of God, when you forget that you are loved by God, when you forget that God has plans and purposes for your life, and there's nothing you can do to, 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 to sabotage those plans and purposes. God is good, and His faithfulness endures forever. But guys, I just want to remind you again, just like David is reminding us all, forget not the benefits of a child of God. Amen? Guys, we are children of God. We have benefits. We have, we have blessings that are ours, not because of us, but because of Him. Forget not all of His benefits. Now, what are some of those benefits? He forgives all your sins. Guys, if that was the only benefit, that's good enough. I've said this before. Look. If the Lord didn't answer one more of our prayers, if the Lord didn't do one more good thing for this boy, he's already done enough. Why? Because he's forgiven all my sins. Guys, think about that. All of your sins, all of the sins you've ever done, the good, the bad, the indifferent, all the hideous things. Could you imagine if there was a video of your life? Okay? Whew. I don't think we'd like that. Okay? I don't think we'd. Peyton, how would you like that video up there? No, okay? You'd be the star of the show, okay? We wouldn't want his mama to watch it, okay? Wouldn't want mama to watch it either because she thinks you're perfect, okay? I know better, okay? But think about it, son. He forgives all of your sins. All of the sins I know about, all the ones I don't know about. He knows about all of them, and when you ask, he's forgiven you. All of the sins we've ever done, all of the sins we'll ever do, let that sink in. I know some of you religious folks are like, well, I ain't doing no more sinning. Okay, how's that work? Yeah, okay. All right. All right. You're sinning right now, being prideful, being pious. Okay? But all of your sins of the past, all of your sins of the future have been forgiven. Not because of you, but because of God. Amen? Because of His Son, Jesus. He forgives all of your sins. He doesn't stop there. He heals all of your diseases. Guys, we serve a God who still heals. We serve a God who still delivers. We serve a God who still answers prayers. That's why we pray. He forgives all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit. Again, guys, I didn't continue my statement. I said, if God would never do one more good thing for this boy, he's already done enough. Why? Because he saved my soul. He redeemed my life from the pit. Look, guys, I didn't deserve salvation. I deserve damnation. Amen? I didn't deserve blessings. I deserve judgment. But God saved my soul. He redeemed my life from the pit, and he did the same thing for you. Redeemed your life from the pit. Crowns you with love and compassion. Man, guys, we're royalty. We know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So let's act like it. Who also satisfies your desires with good things. Amen? Who, desire, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Guys, there's just blessings that come to serving the Lord. Amen? There's a, there, there's a reason that we are blessed people because of the goodness of God. David understood that. He continues with verse number 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Look, 
guys, there are some people that think that God is an angry God who's out to get them. That is not the case whatsoever. Amen? These are the days of grace. We serve a loving God who wants to do everything and anything in His power to get you to have relationship with Him. Amen? God's not out to get you. God's out to save you. God's out to bless you. God wants relationship with you. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Or repay us according to our iniquities. Think about this. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Guys, he loves you. He loves you. For those that fear him, for those that reverence his name. Look at verse number 12. talks about how he forgives sin. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Honey, that's a long way. That's a long way. Okay? Let, let, let me help my, my, my geography just a little bit. Patterson, good old P-Town. That's west of us, right? Is that right? Seth, how would you like to go to Patterson by going east? That'd take a long, long time. <laughs> that would take a long time. That's how far your sins have been separated from you. Tom, think about it. I'm going one way, my sins are going another way. Not because of me, but because of Him, amen? All my sins, all my shortcomings, all the things that made me the flawed man who I am have been separated as far as the east is from the west. That's a good thing. That's something to get excited about, amen? Guys, we are a child of God. Stop letting the enemy bombard you with guilt and condemnation. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 1, there's what? Therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Look, guys, we were all something else. We all used to be in sin. We all used to act foolish. We all made poor decisions. But then when we made the decision to make Jesus our Lord and Savior, all that stuff went away. John, aren't you glad that you're not the same creature you used to be? You're not the same dude, okay? You wouldn't be sitting on the front, on the second row if you were, okay? You're not the same guy. None of us are. Second Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creature. The old has passed away. Everything has become new. Not because of you, but because of him. Amen? As the Father is compassionate on His children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. Look, guys, the type of relationship God wants with you is a father-son relationship, a close relationship. Now, for some of us, that's a challenge because our earthly father wasn't no good. For some of us, our earthly father walked out on us. Our earthly father was abusive. Our earthly father was anything but what he should have been. But your heavenly father is nothing like that. Your Heavenly Father is always there for you. Your Heavenly Father loves you. Your Heavenly Father provides for you. Your Heavenly Father protects you. There's nothing your Heavenly Father won't do for you because you're His boy. Amen? For as the Father has compassion on His children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He knows how we were formed. He remembers that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. Look, guys, God knows who we are. God knows God knows how we struggle. God understands how we, we make mistakes, but he wants to be there for you. Look, guys, when you recognize who God really is, all of a sudden when you make a mistake, you're not trying to hide from him like Adam and Eve did in the, in the, in the, in the garden because God's out to get you. You come running to him because you need him. 
Amen? See, you want to know the, the, the strength of your relationship? The strength of your relationship, how do you respond when you make a mistake? How do you respond when you fail? Because we're all going to fail, okay? Tell my kids all the time, it's not what you've done, it's what you do next. Okay? So when you mess up, listen to me for a second. When you mess up, do you try to get away from the Father or do you try to get back to the Father? It tells me so much about your relationship. If you understand who God the Father really is and how much He loves you and how much He wants for you and how much He wants to bless you, when you're in trouble, you're not running away from the Father, you're running to the Father. Amen? So I want to challenge you today, guys. If nothing else, on this day where we're talking about Thanksgiving, when we're talking about uh, being thankful, let's realize who God really is. He loves you. He's like a father to you. He has compassion for you. I'm almost done. Verse 17. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is for those who fear Him, and His righteousness with their children's children with those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. Basically, blessings follow obedience, guys. When you're obedient, when you do what God tells you to do, when you do things God's way, He will bless you. The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, all you angels. And He just talks about praising the Lord, oh my soul. Look, guys, when we think about who we are, and when we think about who He is, there should be a spirit of thanksgiving. Think about it. He's done everything necessary for us to have relationship with Him. Amen? In the natural, we should have no relationship with the Creator. In the natural, there's nothing we've done to deserve or earn that relationship. But He loves you. Amen? And He sent His Son to die for you so that we could have relationship. Amen? Guys, that's good stuff. That's really, really good stuff. The Bible tells us, back to where we started, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in all things, in all circumstances, we should give thanks. Now, some of you are sitting here today and say, Pastor, that's easy for you to say because God's blessing you, but I'm having a hard time. God, that, that's easy for you to say because everything seems to be fine in your life and everything is unraveling in mine. And you see... That's why it's important for us to recognize that in all things, we need to give thanks. We need to recognize that God is God when things are great, and God is God when things are not. Amen? He is good, even when things aren't good. In all things, give thanks. Maybe you're not feeling very thankful today because you're going through a tough time or a tough season. Well, guess what? The Apostle Paul understood tough times. And he wrote, uh, uh, he wrote several letters. One of them, or several of them, was from prison. One of the most positive letters that he ever wrote was Philippians. And you know what? It'd be easy for, for us to think that, that, that Paul wrote this message from, from a place of blessing. He maybe, he maybe wrote it from a, a villa overlooking the Mediterranean. No. <laughs> he wrote it from a dungeon. He wrote it from a jail cell. It is the most positive epistle ever written, and he wrote it from prison, which is a reminder to us all that your circumstances don't have to dictate your gratitude, your feelings, or your thankfulness. Your circumstances do not have to dictate those things unless you let them. So as I close this morning, let's look at Philippians chapter number 3. Again, the will of God for your life is in all things to give thanks. So let's look at what Paul said, beginning with verse number 7. 
Paul wrote these things, again, in the beginning part of, of Philippians chapter number 3. He talked about how all, he talked about some of his credentials. He talked about how he was such a, a blessed man in so many areas. But in verse number 7, he kind of shifts gears by saying, But whatsoever was for my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything, say everything, I consider everything, all the good, all the bad, all the indifferent, everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all these things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. You see, Paul had got perspective that we all need to get. It doesn't matter about our past. It doesn't matter about our blessings. It doesn't matter about our burdens. It's all about knowing Him. It's all about having a relationship with Christ Jesus. And Paul had said that. So Paul said, all these things that I used to think are important, I consider them rubbish. They're of no count whatsoever. I've lost all these things. I consider them now rubbish that I may gain Christ. Verse number 9. And be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own which comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God that is by faith. Verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in all things. You know, recently we, we, we got together with some pastors, and, and a dear pastor friend of mine, Don Logan, talked about suffering with Christ. He talked about there's no better way to know who you are and know who He is than by going through suffering. You know what, guys? Relationship is, is really forged during the tough times. You know, when I think about 26 years of marriage to that pretty girl on the front row, I think about the good times, Seth. I think about some highlights. But also think about some tough times. And it's during those times that we were driven closer together. And the same thing is true with your relationship with Christ. It's through those difficult times. It's through those sufferings. It's through those tragedies. It's through those heart-wrenching times that you have a choice. Do I run away from relationship with Christ or do I run closer to relationship with Christ? And guys, I want to challenge you today. Paul chose well. Amen? And it's why we're still talking about him 2,000 years later. It's why we're still commending him and we're still talking about his faith. But the same faith that he had, you can have as well. Because he put it in the Lord Jesus Christ, just like I challenge each and every one of you to do. But he said, there's nothing like knowing Christ. Knowing Christ in the good times and the power of his resurrection and also in the fellowship of his sufferings. Becoming like him, verse 11. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Look at verse 12. Great little reminder right here as I close. Not that I've already obtained, Paul says, all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold to that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heaven, heavenward in Christ Jesus. Guys, I want to challenge you. Do like Paul. Forget those things that are behind. 
Your past, it's, it's your past. It's gone. Your future is in Christ Jesus. Keep pressing on. Keep fighting. Don't give in. As Miss Bliss comes, I'm truly convinced that the only way you can lose out with God, friend, is to quit. Is to throw in the towel. There was no quit in Paul. He had every reason to quit. He had every reason to throw in the towel. How in the world, how do you think he felt sitting in the prison cell? God, all I've given up for you, all I've done for you, and here I am. This is this is my this is my end. This is how this is all going to go. No, he recognized that what he was going through during this lifetime was just temporary. It was just a small thing. Paul had a big picture mindset. He knew that one day he was going to be with Jesus. He knew one day that everything he was going through during this life was going to seem trivial and small to the afterlife. You see, guys, the Bible says that we're given 70, 80 years, okay? We are really spiritual beings that go through an earthly experience. But so much we think about is about earthly. I had lunch with my good friend, uh, Steve, and we were talking about that. We are talking about big picture thinking. We were talking about how sometimes we get so caught up in the things of this world when it really we should be all caught up about the things of the next world. Amen? We need to realize that, guys, when we think long-term, that little situation at work is not a big deal after all. That little situation you're going through with your family is not a big deal after all. I preached a message about a year ago, and it said, it said, uh, I think the message was about 100 years from now, what will really matter? Let that sink in, guys. 100 years from now, none of us are going to be here. Hundred years, I don't care who your health coach is, I don't care how good you eat. By the way, sorry to bring that up since we're about to go eat some not so good some really good food, but not healthy food. You know how that goes. Hundred years from now it won't matter. Hundred years from now it won't matter how much I exercise. Hey, it won't where'd he go? Okay, he's probably already in line trying to eat. Okay. He got hungry. I'm glad you, you stayed around. Hundred years from now, we'll all be gone. Hundred years from now, the only thing that'll really matter is what really matters. 